totally amazing. Totally amazing. Father, I just pray that you would have your way today. Lord God, that you would continue to speak deep, deep, deep into our hearts. Father, I know that we often pray that you would give us a word, a now word. Lord, as Ben shared this morning, a new word that would leave us changed. This morning, we don't just say that, we don't just pray that, but we declare and decree that over our lives. Lord, that it would be a new word for a new season that wouldn't just rearrange us, but would change us. Lord God, that we truly would take another step in becoming more and more like your son, Jesus. So we thank you. We thank you for what you have in store for us today. We thank you for all that you're going to do. Lord, we just pray right now that any inhibitions that we might have, any barriers that are there, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that our hearts would be open to all that you want to do. This is the house of God. This is a safe place. And we just say, Lord God, have your way in us and in this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well, I guess that's why it says in Hebrews, I had a scripture to jump into what I wanted to say, so I may as well use it. But for the word of God is alive and powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This is from a God who is full of love. Yeah? Absolutely, entirely full of love. He is love. Yet, in his love, he is also the way, the truth, <laughs> and the life. And so when we get into the word that is love, and that is truth, and it's the way, when we get into that, we've got to remember that he's holy. And those fingers of his are holy. <laughs> and they just cut through into places, and they prod us. And they challenge us. They're not, to, they're not there to make us feel exposed, yeah? But they're there to challenge, challenge us in areas that we haven't yet handed over to Him. Does that make any sense? When God starts prodding and you're feeling uncomfortable, it's not because the words are having a go at you, yeah? It's not because what the preacher's saying, He's picking on you. That's not how it works. What it is, is the Holy Spirit's found a spot and it, he's just pressing with that holy finger of his and it hurts because there's a part of us that he's just exposed to us, not to anyone else, that he's saying, I want to work on that too, yeah? Sharper than a double-edged sword. So today, I'm assuming God's going to challenge us. I'm assuming there's going to be more tears. Well, I know there will be for me anyway, <laughs> so... Hey, just don't YouTube it. That would be good. Thanks. Wouldn't it be good if tears were a way of losing weight? <laughs> just for a moment. Like, man, I, it would be a... Yeah, we should pray into that. <laughs> Lord, no matter the KFC I eat, <laughs> as I cry, just cry out the calories. Lord, we thank you. <laughs> Oh, well, let's see how we go. I was challenged by a couple of different scriptures, but the first scripture I was challenged with this week is in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel in chapter 24, verse 24 says, But the king replied to Aruna, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, No, I insist on buying it 
for I will not present burnt offering to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. Again, you can find that same story in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 24. But King David replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. So let me put you into a, a picture really quickly. David counted up. David decided he would have a census. And so he counted up all the men and women that were in Israel. Wasn't asked to do that. God hadn't asked him to do that. But he went and he did that anyway. Yeah? He took a census. Now, for some unknown reason, because it really doesn't tell you, God didn't like that. He was really angry with the fact that David had taken a census, counting up all the men and the women. And so my personal opinion on why the taking of the census upset Father God is because I believe as David took up a census, as he was looking at the men and women and counting them, he was looking at what he had at his disposal. He was looking at what he had in the kingdom. Yeah, he was putting his trust in the numbers in what he had rather than leaving his trust in Father God. And so I think that's, personally, I think that's why God was upset with what he did. And so because of that, God then brings and gives David a choice on different punishments. <laughs> and so David chooses one. But in the same time that he's chosen one, he doesn't want it to continue because there are plagues that are happening and so people are dying and so in talking with the Lord God wants him to give a sacrifice and tells him where to make that sacrifice on the threshing floor of Aruna so he goes to do that and so he asks this guy he says listen I need some of your threshing floor and I need this and I need that and this person who has it all says what's it for and he goes well it's to stop the plagues and he goes what a great idea what a fantastic idea have it you can have that part of my land, you can have the animals, you can have this burn away. Burn away, King David, it's all yours. May God hear your prayers. Yeah? Now, he's a king. It was rightfully his anyway, particularly when it was given. Yet David, in this moment, does something that, that is really unusual. So for the only way for the restoration to come was to provide this sacrifice. When man offers David everything that God tells him to do, and David turns around and says, there's no way on this side of blue earth that I'm going to offer to my God that that costs me nothing. I won't do it. I won't offer it to him. Have you ever asked yourself, why did David refuse? But why did he say no? Generally speaking, if someone came up to me and said, look, you can have that piece of land, that's yours, go and sacrifice on it, go and have your bonfire, I'd be like, oh, thank you, God, what a blessing, yeah? Or am I the only one who thinks that way, you know? Wow, that's awesome. I, w I would have paid for it, but thank you, God, you're so good to me, yeah? But here David refuses, he, he just utterly refuses I want to suggest that, that King David learnt something. There was something that he learnt. It, it may have been something that he learnt from what he did. Yeah? Because I guess in taking a census, he took his eyes off God. Yeah? 
And, and maybe in that, he's like, well, I'm going to trust God for this rather than just take it off man. I'm going to pay for it and it all pan it. So I don't know. Yeah, but he obviously learned something. He wasn't going to give to God the sacrifice that God had asked for from things that he got for free. And I guess if he had taken that stuff for free, then for King David, it would no longer have been a sacrifice. Is that okay? Just to paint a sort of background picture. So he insists on paying for the land because he couldn't make an offering that cost him nothing. Now the passage of scripture, it challenges me. In fact, it, it gets me thinking, you know. And I, I need to say this first. For me, this scripture isn't only talking about treasure, finances, money. It's not, it's not just talking about those things. This is not an offering message, yeah. It's not only talking about that stuff. This, this is what I want to suggest today. It's about everything and anything that we do or give to our God. Totally and utterly, absolutely everything. And I, I guess if David had a heart after God's heart, then we should have the same heart as the man who had that heart. Don't you think that's a good idea? You know, like I don't think anyone here, even if I offered them $100, would say, yeah, that's a terrible idea. Terrible to have a heart like the man who had a heart after God's own heart. I don't think anyone here would take the $100. Uh, maybe my son. But most of us wouldn't, you know. In everything we do, in everything we give, in anything that we offer to God, our time, yeah, our gifts, our talents, or our treasure, I, I just think we should be following David's example. You know, the man after God's own heart to never offer to Father God, to Papa, something that costs us nothing. How does that work, Pastor? Well, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that in the front. <laughs> it means when it comes to giving of our time to God or for God, in other words, giving our time to others, yeah, is, is it only when it's convenient for us? Or is it going to cost us something? It means when it comes to giving of our skills and our talents, are we going to use them for God only when it's convenient for us? Or is it going to cost us something? I guess it means when, we're, when it comes to giving to God financially, through our treasure, our finances... Will we only give when we have an abundance, when it's convenient for us, or will we give even when it costs us something? You see, more often than not, this is a sweeping generalisation, yeah? Most of us, probably just me, yeah? We give with our time and our talent and our treasure, but for a lot of us, for me anyway, it's when it works for us. It's when it fits. I've chiseled out this time. I've got this extra money, you know. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, Pastor, how can you say that? You've got no idea. My wife would probably agree in some part too. <laughs> but I reckon, and this is where I'm, I was undone in worship and with the things that different people had said and what they touched on because i've written here we all carry stuff 
I've written, I reckon we all have stuff we carry. Stuff that we're walking through. Yeah? Stuff that murkies the waters and, and, and sort of murkies the eyes that we're looking through at the situation. Yeah? Some stuff is recent. Some stuff some of us have carried for years. Yeah? The one thing I know is the stuff can actually stop us from offering God that which costs us something. Yeah? And I, I've got a video that I want to share that, because I want to highlight the stuff. Because some of us think, well, I don't have stuff. I'm, my life's good. I'm good. My walk's good. Family's good. Everything's good. We've got, you know, we've got the usual ups and downs. But the reality is that all of us have stuff, carry stuff, go through stuff that hinders us offering to God with our time, our talent, our treasure, something which costs us something. Yeah? So can we throw that up, Laurie? Thanks.
was doing the message or getting the sermon ready, I thought that it was about offering to God that which costs us something and not offering him something that costs us nothing. But after this morning, I'm realizing more and more that it's not so much about that, but it's about what God wants to do with our stuff. Yeah? You know, stuff, sometimes it can come from the past. Sometimes it comes from memories of past experiences. Yeah? And some of us, if, if you're to be real and to stop and to think for a moment, we have these default reactions to emotions that we're feeling because of the stuff that we're experiencing, but the reactions are, are, are not God-ordained, God you know? Why do I feel that way? Why do I act that way? Why does that get under my skin? And when you think about it, it's often not even the situation that you've just experienced. But there's something else in us that we carry. Some other stuff just happens to come to the surface again. Often we don't even know where it comes from. That's, that's the toughest journey. The toughest journey is not knowing where your stuff comes from, but wanting to go on a journey to discover where it is. So that Father God with his holy finger can get in there and take it out from wherever it's come from. So that you don't have a legacy of stuff hidden in our subconscious that decides to change the way we see God or trust God or react to life, yeah? You know, you help people and then you go away and you, and you feel like you've been used. Where did that come from? Why did we feel that way? What was it that stirred up that emotion? You know, we, we give. We give to church. We, we go out with people for coffee. But all, all of a sudden, as you go to give, you have this fear about your finances. Will I have enough? Will I be able to do this? Will I not be able to do it? Where did that fear come from? I can tell you it's not God. And it's not that one act of giving. You give your time to someone else and you walk away and then you, you're full of regret that you actually didn't spend it on yourself. Where did that come from? That's not from him. And I know that this isn't all of you. And maybe it's very few of you and maybe it's just only me. But why? Why? If we if I'm gonna ask that question, why do I react that way? I was thinking about that this morning in the shower. If my boys fall over and hurt themselves, Mel's full of compassion. I get angry. I get angry that they hurt themselves. It's not their fault. Why do I react that way? Where does that come from? Where did that emotion stir up from? What stuff am I still carrying that's preventing me in living a life that I can offer to God that costs me something? Yeah? Why did I feel that way all of a sudden? And if you can grab hold of just that thinking just for a moment, 
In the, in the mix of that, God then throws another scripture that challenges me, another truth that prods, another truth that, that seems to get in and poke into my ribs. <laughs> but it's this, what I, this is what I think God wants to do today. I, I think it's a truth that will change how, how we live life daily. I know we have a saying often, or I have a saying that says, choices, not chances, will determine my destiny. But I've got to understand why I have this choice. Isaiah 42, I, I received a word from someone this week that was just, was just phenomenal, was, was, was on the money. And it was from this particular chapter of Isaiah, not the same scriptures, but a, a, enough that I knew that, that God was speaking to me about something. And so Isaiah 42, from verse 8, it reads, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Verse 9 is so very important. See, the former things have taken place. The new things, I declare, before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And now the verse shifts from telling us about what he's doing yeah, or what he's going to do for us to what we now do in response, really. Because verse 10 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Yeah? Sing to the Lord a new song. He's praised from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands, all that live in them. The former things have taken place. The former things have come to pass. They've happened, yeah? The former things have taken place. In other words, if they've come to pass, yeah, now, now is a new day. Sing a new song, yeah? So the wording here is really important, especially for all of us who have some stuff, yeah? Stuff that weighs us down and stuff that can carry us because the writer by saying the former things have taken place and new things I declare isn't that what Mel was saying this morning isn't that what Ben spoke about while he was worshiping isn't that what what Ross was saying during the communion that he takes our ashes and he gives us beauty beauty for ashes yeah what he's saying what he's telling us is this when he says the former things have taken place, the new things I declare, some of you would have heard this thought before, but it's not the next thing. The scripture doesn't say the former things have happened and now the next thing I declare. He doesn't say the next thing I declare. He says it's the new thing. Because if it was the next thing, it would be a continuation of our past. Yeah, It would be a continuation of before the cross. The next thing, yeah? But it's not what it says. it says. It says a new thing. See, the past has nothing to do with our present. And so many of us are carrying stuff that's in our past and because of our past and because of what we experienced. And now we go through stuff today in life and, and all of a sudden we're feeling something that in our subconscious is similar to something we've experienced in the past and we have this default reaction that's got nothing to do with the new thing God's doing in us today. The past, the former things have taken place. He's now doing a new thing. In you. He's doing a new thing in you. 
Like the past is real, the emotion is real, but the new thing is even more real. He's doing something that he hasn't done before. That means our past has nothing to do with our future. You've got to understand that. The former things have come to pass. I'm now doing a new thing, I declare. It really is a new thing for you and in you. And so much of the stuff that we carry is because of things in our past. But right here, Father, God's telling us that those things, those experiences, those memories, yes, they're real, yes, they've happened. You might be smack in the middle of a season right now, but they have come to pass. And I declare, I declare, I declare, he says, a new thing. And then after he's declared a new thing, he says, so the passage continues, he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. This is where I'm getting excited because I can heal and, and, and hear and feel the heart of God. He's saying, I've done a new thing in you. Sing a new song. Don't sing the old song. That record's broken. If we're a new creation, our old creation is dead and buried, yeah? It's dead and buried. So why do we keep fighting, yeah, with the old man if he's dead and buried? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So Satan's always going to try to deceive us and point us back to things of the past that have got to do with our old self, the old person, the old man. But he declares a new thing and he says, sing a new song. A new thing needs a new way of thinking. A new thing needs a new song. Yeah? So if we go back to 2 Samuel, but the king replied to Rune, and I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. I said earlier that this passage of Scripture is not about just what we give to God financially. It's about everything and anything that you and I do. So when it comes to our time, our talent, and our treasure in life, what does an offering to the Lord look like? Is it a sacrifice? Does it cost us something? Or are we offering to the Lord which costs us nothing? I've been reading a book since the beginning of the year. I'm reading lots of books since the beginning of the year. And the plan is by the end of the year to have finished, I want to say all of those books, but some of those books, yeah? But I'm, I'm reading one, one of Bill Johnson's books, God is Good, He's Better Than You Think. And in it, he's sharing how his dad had just died, yeah? His dad had died of cancer. He shares this in his book. And uh, there's a section of the book that I want to read. Is that Okay. And he, and he writes, the full story isn't necessary at this point. What is important for you to know is that he'd lived only six more months. The loss was painful, really painful. And to be honest, it still is. He was 75 years old, which I guess seems old enough to many, but both sides of my family live well into their 80s. The youngest to die before him that I can recall was 86. His mother lived to be 97. And my dad had been the healthiest of them all. I thought he would be with us for at least another 10 years, if not 20. It didn't work out that way. For what it's worth, we also don't think it necessary to die of a sickness that Jesus defeated. It's a wrong way of thinking to assume that we must die by disease. Yet he did. 
Most of our immediate family was present in his bedroom when my dad went to be with the Lord. I forgot exactly how many it was, but it was somewhere between 20 and 30 people, including grandchildren. We surrounded his bed, singing, praying, laughing, telling stories and just being family. It was important for him as well as for the rest of us. Both he and my mum had built the legacy of this family to, to be together in joy and in pain. When he breathed his last, a gasp filled the room. It was like someone punched us in the gut collectively. Now, you, we've got to capture this because this moved me, yeah? After perhaps five minutes had passed, I asked the entire family to gather around his bed. We sang a song of praise, exalting God for his goodness. I think we all knew that we would not have the chance to give God that particular offering in heaven. There's no pain, confusion, disappointment, grief, disillusionment or any such thing in heaven. Those are the experiences we have in this life and I didn't want, to, want us to miss our opportunity to give him this costly sacrifice of praise when it seemed most unreasonable. And so we did. We honoured God for his goodness and his promise to heal. It was a sacrifice, but it will never be one I regretted giving him. So let me ask us all again. When we come to church to worship Papa, when we come to worship our Father and our God, yeah, do we offer him something that costs us nothing? I can't today. You don't know the argument I just had with my partner at home. I can't today. You don't know what I'm going through, the thoughts, my emotions, my feelings. You, you don't know. I can't today. I'm messed up. I'm hurting. I'm broken. And each time we say sorry to God. Or do we offer daddy something that costs us something? There's a quote in the book by Bill Johnson that says, Faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It just denies it a place of influence. In other words, faith doesn't deny the stuff, yeah? Faith doesn't deny the experiences that we've had, past, present, future. doesn't deny those things. It just denies it a place of influence. Sing a new song, yeah? That's what the passage of Scripture is talking about. In this place right here, right now, no matter what we're feeling or what we're thinking, sing a new song right now in that place, yeah? God's attracted to weakness and brokenness. If you and I, if we could understand and get this, that he's, that he's attracted to those things because he's good beyond measure, he brings healing to our brokenness. And there's no breakthrough without brokenness. There is no resurrection without the cross, yeah? What about this? This is a, a true story written anonymously in a, about a nine-year-old boy in a rural town in Tennessee. And it reads, his house... Not the same book. His house was in a poor area of the community. A church had a bus ministry that came knocking on his door one Saturday afternoon. A young boy came to the door and greeted the bus pastor. The bus pastor asked if his parents were home. The small boy told him that his parents had left for the weekend and left him at home to take care of his little brother. Obviously not today. <laughs> Long time ago. They went into the living room and sat down on an old couch with the foam and springs exposed. The bus pastor asked the kid, where do you go to church? The young boy surprised the visitor by replying, I've never been to a church in my whole life. 
Then the pastor said, well, son, more important than going to church, have you ever heard the greatest love story ever told? And then he shared the gospel with this little nine-year-old boy. The young boy's heart began to be tenderized, and at the end of the pastor's story, the pastor asked if the boy wanted to receive this free gift from God. The youngster exclaimed, you bet. The boy and the pastor got on their knees, and he invited Jesus into his heart and received the free gift of salvation. They both stood up, and the pastor asked if he could pick him up for church the next morning. Sure, the nine-year-old replied. The next morning after arriving at church, the little boy just sat in church, clueless of what was going on. A few minutes into the service, the ushers walked down to the front and picked up some wooden plates. One of the men prayed, and this kid, with utter fascination, walked, uh, watched them walk up and down the aisles. He didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, like a lightning bolt, it hit him what was taking place. These people must be giving money to Jesus. He then reflected on the free gift of life that he'd received just 24 hours earlier. He immediately searched his pockets front and back and couldn't find a thing to give Jesus. By this time, the offering plate was being passed down his aisle and with a broken heart, he just grabbed the plate and he held onto it. He finally let go and watched it pass down the aisle. He turned around to see it pass down the aisle behind him and then his eyes remained glued on the plate as it passed back and forth, back and forth, all the way to the rear of the sanctuary. Then he had an idea. This little nine-year-old boy in front of God and everybody got up off his seat. He walked about eight rows back, grabbed the usher by the coat and asked to hold the plate one more time. Then he did the most outstanding thing. He took the plate, sat it on the carpeted church floor and stepped in the center of it. As he stood there, he lifted his little head up and he said, Jesus, I don't have anything to give you today, but just me. I give you me. So let me ask us all again, when we give to Papa, when we give to our Father and our God, do we offer him something that costs us nothing? I, I can't today, some unexpected bills have arrived. I can't today, we're on holidays. I can't today, we have these things that we've always wanted to buy and we've just ordered them. I, I can't today, I've already given what I can. I can't tithe today, I just can't. And each time we say sorry. God or do we offer daddy something that costs us something you know in Mark 12 it tells us a story of the widow and I won't read it all but from verse 43 it just says calling his disciples Jesus says truly I tell you the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others they all gave out of their wealth but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on sing a new song when it comes to giving, sing a new song. When it comes to serving, sing a new song. When it comes to worshipping God, no matter how you feel, sing a new song. Because the former things have come to pass. They're done. But I declare, decree, I'm doing a new thing in you. Because faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. doesn't deny when we're looking at giving about our bills. It just denies it a place of influence, yeah? Ever felt like you had nothing to offer, so you don't? Someone asks you to do something in church and you don't think you're capable? Don't think you got the stuff? I don't have the talents, I can't speak like you speak, I can't sing like you sing, I can't make coffee like you make coffee. 
Who told you that? Who said that? That's the stuff talking. When you have an opportunity to offer God something, step up and offering Him something. Don't allow the stuff to hold you back. We can't do that. We need to be a people that sings a new song. And I don't feel like worshipping today. I had the biggest argument with my child. You know what? I'm going to sing a new song. Because this is not about the argument. This is about my worship of him. I can't lift my hands today. I just can't. You don't know what happened at school my best friend. You know what? It's not about what happened with your best friend. It's about lifting your hands in worship to the king of all kings. I'm hurting. My relationship is failing and it's falling apart. I just don't have it in me today. I just can't. It's not about that. It's not about the stuff. It's about him. It's about saying, thank you, Aruna, for the land and, and for the, the animal and the oxen and everything, but I'm not going to accept that for free. I will not offer my God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. I'm going to step into that place and I'm going to worship. I'm going to step into that place and I'm going to give. I'm going to step into that place and I'm going to help that brother, that sister. I'm going to do those things. I will not let my stuff hold me back. I know it's hard. I know the passages of Scripture challenge me, so I know they're challenging you. But get this, you don't. Get the peace that passes understanding until we give up our right to understand. You understand? We don't get the peace that passes understanding until we give up the right to understand. And this morning, I want us to worship I'm going to ask the team to come up and I'm going to ask them to play only Jesus. And this is not about your offering, what you're putting in the plate. This is not about whether you serve or don't serve. This is not about those things. This is about your stuff because your stuff is holding you back. My stuff is holding me back from being able to offer God that which costs me something. It's time to get rid of the stuff. It's time to get rid of the stuff. Why don't we all stand? And can I just ask you just to close your eyes for a moment? So I just want you to ponder for a minute. Stuff. <laughs> Ollie, can you just start playing the keys? Would that be all right? See, for some of us, the stuff is family. For some of us, it's emotions like anger and fear. For some of us, it's our relationships. For some of us, it's our finances. some of us it's our children but this I know in this place 
that each and every one of us has stuff that we need to let go of. And until we physically hand the ashes over to our Lord, yeah, you will not be able to offer God that which costs you something while you're holding on to your stuff. And your stuff and the experiences that have created that, they are the former things. They have nothing to do with your present they have nothing to do with your future because he declares, I am doing a new thing. Sing a new song. Church, this morning, I want to beseech you. Sing a new song because this isn't for me. Yeah. This is about you and your relationship. Ben even said it earlier. He goes, this is about you. It's like, Jesus, I want only you. You have to sing a new song. You need to sing a new song where you hurt. You need to sing a new song where you can't. If you want that breakthrough to push through that brokenness, you choose to sing that song. He's decreed it over your life. He's declared it over your life. That you just need to sing it. You need to be able to say, God, in this place, it's only you. It doesn't make sense to step out of a boat and to walk on water. But Peter did. It doesn't make sense to give when your finances are low. It doesn't make sense to give of your time when you've got none left doesn't make sense but there's a healing in it there's a breakthrough in it there's a step and a journey where you become more like Jesus in it so the altar's open And I want to encourage you to bring your stuff to the altar. And stay here and worship if you like. But don't leave it. Don't hold it. Don't keep it in your pockets. Whatever it is, however small you think it may be, yeah, give it to Him. This is a safe place. This is where the Lord wants to walk with you. He wants to share your burden. Yeah? He wants to shoulder it for you. In fact, he wants to take it from you. But he'll only take it when you give it, yeah? So as we worship today, you make a decision for yourself. If you need to get rid of your stuff, if you need to offer him which costs you something, then you bring it in Jesus' name. I just want to speak to those whose heart's being tugged at the moment. I know that there are some that need to leave, and if you need to go, please do so quietly. If you're able to stay, please continue to pray with us. But for those who, whose heart is tugging, whose, whose heart's racing, you know that God's poked you and prodded you this morning. Don't leave this place being able to hide the stuff again. 
This is a safe place. This is a safe altar. And I just feel like God's saying to you, give it to me. He wants to take your ashes. He wants to give you beauty in their place. He wants you to receive the new thing so that you can sing the new song. I don't know who it is that the Lord's focusing on right now. But I'm praying that every eye is still closed. And if that's you, if that's you, answer His call. Answer His call and come and give your stuff while we continue to lay it at His altar. And let us offer to God that which costs us something in Jesus' name.